Welcome to The Breadwinners, the podcast about the never-ending hustle and its impact on all aspects of our lives. From our financial life, to our relationship, to our kids and our health, we're interested in what it takes to keep everything going. This podcast is about women, working, money, and family. And in every episode, we will consider the research and share our takes on what we're learning every day about breadwinning. And we'll ask you to share your breadwinning story. Each week, I'm joined by Jennifer Owens. She writes about working, wellness, and women and founded the Working Mother Research Institute. And I'm joined by Raquel Ellison. She is an executive coach and management consultant who works with companies big and small to design workplace policies that work for all employees. Well... So here's our stat of the day. An analysis of 194 countries reveals that infection and fatality rates in the first three months of the pandemic were generally lower in countries with female leaders. So there you go. (laughs) Hire a woman. We'll get the job done. So we've heard this story a lot, right? The prime minister in New Zealand gets looked at a lot. Angela Merkel's getting, you know, kind of gets looked at. So I see the headlines. I go, "Uh uh-huh. Of course, women are doing the job. And then I don't fully get into, so what's the deal? Why are we better at this other than many of us are moms and know to just say, wash your hands. <laughs> yeah, I think it's worth diving in a little, just one more de- like level to the detail because yeah. these two researchers, Supriya Gari Kapati and Uma Kambapati, which I'm sure I'm so sorry. I'm sure I'm butchering. You. I love it. It's like freaking Passover. I've said it before. You always get the passage in the Haggadah that it's all the rabbi names. <laughs> it's, true. it's true. So they heard that theory, that anecdotal piece, right? They'd heard about New Zealand and we're all yeah. hearing that. We're all seeing oh, the headlines, but right? They wanted to dive in deeper and they specifically, they looked at a sample of 194 countries only 10% of those were led by women. They tried to sort of look at similar countries so that they could kind of compare across socio-demographic and economic characteristics. So they weren't like, it's not, they were not comparing apples and oranges. It was interesting, you know, to the extent that you can when you're comparing countries. And they did find differences when it came to deaths, to be honest, which is hard for us to talk about. We do, unfortunately, hear this in the news all the time. Yeah. But Hong Kong, which is led by a woman, recorded 1,056 cases while Singapore and four deaths while Singapore, which has a similar economy and is comparable in a lot of different ways, but is led by a man, recorded 28,794 cases and 22 deaths in the same period. Norway... 8,257 and 233 deaths, while Ireland, 24,215.47 deaths. Now, I understand we don't want to be talking about this, right? Like, yeah, we don't want to be hitting these hard moments. But I think when we talk about it, for me, it's helpful to know what are we actually comparing, right? And we're actually comparing the response in terms of contracting the cases and also managing, you know, treatment for the cases. Right. So right. I think that's an important piece to include in there. But I think that what we're looking at is a style of leadership or commonalities in terms of a style of leadership that these women have and how they're approaching this mm-hmm. challenge, this completely the pandemic. The pandemic. I mean, who knew that the word pandemic would just be a normal word right. in our vocabulary. So yes, a pandemic. A pandemic, exactly. I mean, I moved from Rhode Island, but when I lived in Rhode Island at the beginning of the pandemic, Gina Raimondo was just 
killing it with the way that she was handling things. And I think she's still doing great. She was the first when we were the apex in New York, when all that news was like overflowing us at the very beginning and, and Cuomo is, you know, we're, we don't have enough respirators and it was so dire. It was so dire. And she said, we are going to start tracking New Yorkers coming into our state. Yep. And that was kind of the clarion bell that like rang through like, oh my God, yeah. like we, they don't want us. <laughs> they may not want us for other reasons, no, and- but she was going to say, listen, you guys have a real problem going on in New York. You guys need to handle that. And then we can see about you coming back into our state. Yeah. And I thought that was, it was shocking. It was shocking. And I, I don't know if I told you this, but I do have a friend who whose family has a house in Rhode Island. So she went there with her brother. They were staying out there with their families and someone pulled up in front of their house. And my friend thought it was an Amazon delivery guy. <laughs> and she was like, just leave the package right there. And it was a state trooper. And he asked to see like proof of when she came to Rhode Island. It was for real. It was oh, for my real. Gosh. And then there was, and he said, I need to read you this message from the governor. Really interesting, right? Like yeah. that wasn't just like she put her money where her mouth was and said like, this is how we're going to deal with this. And what I'm guessing about her is that, you know, a lot of different perspectives. And she decided that she was going to kind of mix different strategies to protect her people. And like, she really was very firm. I think one of the things that that article that I cited a minute ago talks about was that these women were more willing to take risks economically generally in this. Yeah. They were taking risks. You know, everybody was taking risks, but the economic risks were were less the focus. But I think, you know, what I think about is, I mean, does that sound right to you, first of all? Yeah. I mean, I was I was reading something, uh, one of the Times articles about, you know, why women leaders are doing better. And they were saying one of the... <laughs> They cited the 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 old story. Van Halen has a writer. You know, all these famous rock bands come in and they have a famous line in their writer that said no brown M&Ms. Oh, yeah. And that they didn't do it because they wanted no brown M&Ms, but that to see if you actually read the whole writer. And so it wasn't really it wasn't the cause and effect. You know, it wasn't that. But it was a signal. And one of the things that there that some researchers say is that having a female leader is one signal that people of diverse backgrounds and hopefully diverse perspectives on how to deal with this are able to be at the table. So in Germany, it says, you know, for instance, Ms. Merkel's government considered a variety of different information sources in developing its coronavirus policy, including epidemiology, data from medical providers, evidence from how South Korea was being successful with testing and isolation. As a result, the country has achieved a coronavirus death rate that is dramatically lower than other Western European countries. So we're not saying the brown M&Ms means you'll be a great venue. Right, right. And we're not saying women leaders mean you're going to be great, but it's one signal that you may have some diverse voices. Because they say, by contrast, the male-led governments of Sweden and Britain, both of which have high coronavirus death tolls, appear to have relied 
primarily on epidemiology models by their own advisors with few channels of dissent from outside experts. For me, that's where the rub is. Yeah. Well, in my organizational psychology geeky way, I was thinking about, you know, I'm also helping a lot of leaders figure out how to navigate change right now. And, you know, when we think about change, it's helpful to be able to distinguish what kind of change we're talking about, right? I think we tend to think about driving change and it's just kind of this big word. That like can encompass everything. It's change, right? Right. But then when we look at change, there's a ton of different ways that researchers and academics in this field have looked at it. But Ron Heifetz and Marty Linsky, who wrote a book called Adaptive Leadership, kind of hit the nail on the head, I think, in terms of how they're looking at change, at complex change, and how leaders lead in complex moment. So what they they're talking about kind of there's two types of change, right? There's like technical change, which is pretty like okay, it's pretty clear what I need to do here and what levers I need to pull and how I need to direct people. And then there's adaptive change, which is concurrent changes and there's very complex circumstances. A lot of different perspectives on what to do. Not clear what to do or how to do it, right? But there's pressure to do something. Like not buying Oreos versus (laughs) trying not to eat all the Oreos when they're in my house. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. And there's a number of different characteristics that they look at. But the first thing that they talk about is the difference between leadership and authority, right? So like leaders, well, you know, an authority might say to your Oreo example, somebody who kind of focuses on authority more will say like, we'll just stop eating the Oreos. Stop eating the goddamn Oreos. Go yeah. Store, right. Like, yeah. but it's not taking into account that that might not be very easy to do. Or that I have a young guy and that's his one of two desserts he likes. And I, you know, he's a valued member of the team here. Yeah, you know, you got to Yeah. So, you know, there's a lot of different factors. So it's about so leadership is about really like trying to think about how to model yourself and your own choices and how to help people through a period of discomfort, which is what is going to happen when you go through insanely complex change. So these leaders focus on becoming trusted trusted, like you can't just strong arm people. That's an authoritative approach, right? As a leader, you've got to kind of manage the anxiety and show that you've kind of got this a little bit. Yeah. As opposed to just sort of saying, well, I mean, I can make an obvious reference here. I'm not going to make it. Yeah. But, you know, say like, well, this is what's going to happen and we're going to open the economy. And like, so when you have authorities about direction, protection and order, And leadership has this other piece of like how you're managing this discomfort. And there's an interesting piece that they talk about in there, and I'll stop geeking out. But the productive zone of disequilibrium, which is to you have so you say you have to create (laughs) what they're talking about is like you can't just like make it really like low pressure for people. You can't make it like five alarm fire for people. You have like the way that you get people to feel to kind of move through these uncomfortable times is to like, like a pressure cooker, like put right just the amount in your messaging and in the way that you, you know, in your policies, just the right amount of kind of fear and kind of direction. Yeah. And then also kind of helping them with this comfort level. So I guess the question is, you know, we're seeing this with women. What does that mean for us as 
female breadwinners? Do we see how this relates to how we work? I don't know. What do you think? What do you, what does I, it I think, bring up for you? Yes. I've been thinking a lot about, was listening to Brene Brown talk about power and how leadership, she has four definitions of leadership power, like leaders who work from a position of power over So that's authoritarian and it's power is finite. I'm going to use some fear to protect and hoard my power. I'm going to leverage the fear to divide and destabilize so that I'm the only winner here. I'm the only one who can unite us and I'm the leader. Versus leaders who work from a position of power with, that power is infinite and expands when it's shared with others. And power two, I'm going to leverage connection and make that happen. I'm going to unite people. Power from within that you have the power within you. Like different ways that people, I don't know that any Maybe I'm, I guess really smart people think I'm going to become this kind of a leader. But I just think that what we're seeing with these women, and we see it in female leadership, there are a lot of writing about female leadership yep. being different. And I think it's where I've thought about it as collaboration and whatever. I think about this new way of thinking about it as, can we hold power? Yes. And then then what it is, is we're using power in different ways. And I think with these women that are having success, <laughs> I mean, colloquially, I think it's power with, and I think it's power as a mom. I, I tell I, you yeah. what, I, you know, yeah. Well, <laughs> and right. then consistency, right? We know the best parenting, I think, is, you know, you, you listen to the divergent points of view, you know, no, he said this, she said that and all that. And then you, you listen, you consider, you decide, and then you stick to it. You're right. You know, and, right. and you can reassess as you go, but you have to be consistent. You have to send the cop out to that house and say, why are, you know, who are you, New Yorkers? I have a rule about this. Right. Explain yourself. And then and then also with the power with, allow them to explain themselves before you, you crack down on sending them to their room right. or whatever it is. But right. I think it's about, it's a lot of things swirling in my head about holding power, about hearing different voices, and about then, though, being bold to make a decision and stand by it, you know? Right. Yeah. Just thinking about what it was like to get my kids out of the house this morning. And I recognize that I'm very lucky that they are on their mm, hybrid yes. week or whatever. They're, they're in school week. But, you know, there was a lot. Like you could look at it as a technical challenge, but there was a lot of different adaptive pieces to that, right? There was like a lot of different ways in which I had to push without just being the authoritarian person who might get, do this. And I think part of that is like experimenting with what's going to happen. So I think it's about being firm, but thinking about like, well, okay, I'm trying this tactic with my kid. It's not working. I'm still going to hold the line, but I'm going to change the way that I'm approaching it. Right. And I think it does come up quite a bit. I think there's a certain level of patience, you know, and again, I hate to generalize again across like all moms, all all, countries, all women, all all pandemics. pandemics. (laughs) But I mean, I think it's a comfort level with change also that it's like, okay, I got to jump in here. And I think just not feeling like I think there's a lack of embarrassment or shame. In- I was just gonna say, yeah, and that the where's the authenticity, right? You know, that to say, no, I hear you. This really is hard. Yeah, it's really hard. 
Yeah, that's a really important piece of it. And I think that it's really hard. And also saying, okay, we tried this. It didn't work. Yeah, We're going to go back to this. Whereas I feel like what we're seeing from a lot of male leaders is like, well, I've doubled down on the message that it's not that bad. Or I've doubled down on the message that like, I'm going to now keep businesses open. And there's no way to walk it back. Right. Well, and those things that you said at the very beginning of the pandemic, where uh, we thought it was one, but it really turns out to be two. I'm going to keep bringing that up. That's what I can't abide by that. You know, yes, we didn't really know the value of mass on day one. Right. All right. Now we do. Yeah. Does make a difference. Wear the damn mask. Right. Yeah. Well, you said in March and February that we, yeah, now it's going into November. Right. Wear a mask. Right. Yeah. Adapt. That's, I just want the, is it tactical? I just want the tactical change, but just put the mask on. I don't want to adapt you. I want to tactic you. (laughs) Right. I'm making up words now. (laughs) You want to tactic? (laughs) I'm going to tactic you, not adapt you. Just put the mask on. Yes, there you go. It's just this interesting balance that we're seeing. It's this interesting kind of dance that we're seeing where it's kind of thinking about the individual experience, thinking about the kind of like the meta, the bigger picture at the same time. So one of the things they say in in that adaptive leadership book is like, you have to get on the dance floor or get on the ground floor and then get up to the balcony and keep going back and forth, right? To just see what's going on, but then also feel what people are feeling. And so I do think there's a sense of like thinking about stakeholder what do folks need to know and what's their reaction going to be and kind of getting inside right. their head? You know, like I knew this morning that my daughter wasn't going to eat breakfast <laughs> and get herself out of that, knowing who you're dealing with, what you're dealing with, and then trying to cater messages to that audience, right? Right. It is a dance, isn't it? Because it's you're taking in information all the time, but then you have to be decisive. So at some point you have to hold on to your power as the leader. These are in like running small committees. It's in your family. It's in running countries that at some point you're going to have to say, this is the way it is. And then you have to have the narrative intelligence to like be able to tell why it's a lot of intelligences, right? It's like technological and it's science and math. It's empathetic. What is that EQ or whatever they say, you know, that you're able to do that. And then the ability to then tell this, weave it all together and explain where I think we're going, what we're going to do and how we're going to get there, but that we're all in it together. You know, that I'm setting forth this path and where I think we're going to get it. But I'm kind of nervous about this. And this could get worse. And I need you to treat it seriously. Yeah. And I I think that kind of messaging has been really strong in these countries. Yeah, for sure. There's a writer named Aviva Wittenberg-Cox who wrote, we're going to link to her article in the Show notes. In the show notes. I was like, the session notes? This is what an executive coach says. Like, not that we ever share our session notes, by the way. But, you know, she identifies these five different areas where these patterns, she kind of looks at the patterns of these women who have led their countries through this or their states through this period of time. And what, what are the sort of common themes? One is include everyone. So in other words, like thinking about these different stakeholder perspectives, not just one, right? Being authentic, which we talked about, telling the truth, which we were just talking about, right? You need to just say like, this is what's going on. 
be decisive. So, you know, you get your information and then you decide like, this is how we're going to do it. And that doesn't mean that you won't change that decision or, you know, shift as need be and right. as, the, as the number of cases go up, but you know, that you're going to be clear on what you expect of people. And then, right. you know, embracing technology, which is about, you know, one of the things I thought was really so fascinating I think it was in Taiwan, like the the tracking of folks and making sure that you're doing like the the tracing, the people yeah. tracing, whatever it's called. I'm forgetting all of my things. contact tracing. Contact yeah. tracing, right, right. So I think that's something that technology allows us to do. That I think is seeing the capability and the possibility of, you know, oh, we could be using this for as long as they're collecting all our data. Let's at least use it for good. Yeah, I guess that's what we're saying. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I think so. It can only help, right? We've got to try all the strategies we can. And that's where this experimentation comes in. And that's what leaders do. Right. And then there's like the imagery. I can't think of what the word I'm thinking of, but that they wear a mask, you know, the symbolism of being that they wear a mask and maybe they have a partner and their partner wears a mask and their team wears a mask, like leading by example. Right. Absolutely. That's how it's got to work. And then, of course, no brown M&Ms. Yes. Because, you know, that is, (laughs) you know, that's what caused everything. Oh, no, no, no. I love M&Ms. I almost more than I love Oreos. (laughs) There you go. That's so we will link oh, to M&Ms sorry. and Oreos in, <laughs> in our show notes. Oh my goodness. I mean it's it's about being a leader and it's about being a true leader and about being a leader who welcomes people in and is a servant. That's what I think it comes down to is really taking the job of it's not about lording over it's about leading. Yeah. And that's what I think we're seeing in these countries that are doing a good job and are locking it down. And it's no fun. No. None of this is fun. It's sad. It's hard. It's a sacrifice. And I want the leader who leads by example, who listens, who makes tough calls and is empathetic about the fact that they're making tough calls and admits mistakes. Yeah. yeah. I'd love all that. Yeah, that would be great. Hopefully. Hopefully. Oh, well, this was no mistake. <laughs> Thank you for joining us on The Breadwinners. You will find links to what we discussed today in the episode description wherever you listen to podcasts. Visit us anytime at thebreadwinnerspodcast.com to ask a question, offer some feedback, share your stories, tell us your favorite female government leader. How are you making it work? We'd love to know. Please remember to subscribe to our podcast and to rate and review it. Let us know what you think about the breadwinners. Help us tell the stories that mean the most to you. And until next week, keep hustling. This podcast is part of the Sound Advice FM Network. Sound Advice FM, women's voices amplified.